0: Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Thriving Part 3, The Core, recorded Sunday, June 20th, 2021. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message.
1: We're taking a few weeks here, as Rachel said, to talk about what thriving looks like from the perspective of the book of Galatians. And we're doing this for a couple reasons. First off, we are christ ends, and so we need to figure out what that is. What does it mean that Christ is in us? And what's this eternal life-giving power that he puts into our lives? And so Galatians 5 explains that. Another reason for this series is because it's, quite frankly, easy to forget that God is empowering our lives and has something for us so that we can, we can take life on and thrive in life. And uh, one of his followers, John, wrote this in 1 John 4.4. 4, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, overcome the world, overcome the challenges of the world. Because the one, of, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The world is formidable. There has always been fear, but I think maybe never more in our lifetime than over the last year and a half, this pandemic, where we experienced seemingly insurmountable, uncontrollable circumstances that brought immense anxiety into our lives. Uh, We have seen that anxiety build from multi-layered things like health to economic challenges, to isolation that created relational stress, and and it's overtime right now for many of us and it's also created division but to make matters worse we experienced last year the summer of hate where people died in our cities over acts of violence over racial division and to top it all off we endured what was arguably the most hateful and contentious election in the history of our country. So we are in anxiety overload. Now, some forms of anxiety, you got to get professional help. Because there is something called chronic anxiety and it can have medical Um, origins. It can have deep psychological origins that need to be addressed. I mean, you probably need a trained professional to help you through that. If your kid's in one of those great baseball games this this summer and they slide into home plate and they happen to break their leg and the bone is sticking out of their leg, I hope it doesn't happen, but if it happens, you're not going to walk up to the plate and say, get up, kid, walk it off. Put a little dirt on that, it'll be just, you're not going to do that. You're probably going to take them, if you're any kind of dad at all, to a prompt care situation, to the emergency room. Likewise, with some forms of anxiety. But I would argue that the most, most forms of anxiety, most of them are not physical, they're not deeply psychologically psychological, and they don't necessarily require years and years of therapy or medication. I do believe that all forms of fear and and anxiety, the deepest roots, spiritual, spiritual. Max Lucado makes a really intuitive statement. He says, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison is optional. So the question is this, how do we step outside of that prison day after day. Now, Paul is giving us great news that we have an ally to help us. God gives us nothing less than himself. And the form of that is the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5, he lays out, we'll come from a life lived on the trajectory of the Holy Spirit within us. This is a blueprint from moving from a self-motivated lifestyle to a God-focused life. And this moves us from victimization to freedom. And the way Paul describes this is that he shows us we bear fruit. And then he shows us that we will be recognized by the trajectory our life's on, by the kind of fruit that comes out of our lives. And then, as we discussed last week, we know there's two kinds of fruit. There's what I called last week passion fruit, But that's just the the rotten fruit that comes out of our lives when we're not on the right trajectory of God. And uh, he describes it in in a list called the acts of the flesh. And uh, it's really the the most self-centered way we can live ultimately. And then the second list is the one we're going to focus on over the next few weeks. It's called the fruit of the spirit. Now, I'm going to read to you from Galatians 5.22. As a matter of fact, I wonder if you might read this with me. We're going to just read the first verse, Galatians 5.22. So join me if you would. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So that's where we're going. The character traits that God's powerful Holy Spirit wants to develop in your life, and it will be a battle because the world is formidable. But if you're going to be a thriving person, if we're going to be a thriving church, if your family's going to thrive in the ways that God calls it to, this is what love looks like. That's what joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, that's what it looks like. Jesus said, you will recognize them by their fruits. So, Today we're starting out with what I think is the core of all fruits, that's love. I'm calling this message the core, because love is at the center of all the others. As a matter of fact, you're going to see as we go through this series, these these are all going to intertwine. We're going to talk about many of them in the same messages a lot. Now we'll focus on some, but if God shows us nothing else, he shows us this. If we don't love people the way God loves people, we misrepresent him because God loves people. Now, if you're taking notes today, I would just say you might want to write this down. The greatest value is love. That's the first big idea that comes out of this passage. The greatest value is love. That's why we've made our, our, our vision statement as a church, love unlimited. Because it's the greatest value. Now, Paul says this. He says it in, second, in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these, the greatest value of all... Of all is love. Let me ask you a simple question. We're going to be doing some evaluating today. So here's the question to get you started. As you ponder your life, looking back over the last 10 years, if you ask the people closest to you, your spouse, your kids, your parents, uh, the people you work with, you know, in in a close proximity to the people you work with, you're going to ask the people closest to you, would they say that you become more loving over that period of time. I mean, you might have a bigger family. You might have a bigger house. You might have a bigger waistline. But do you have more love? Is, 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 is the greater value evident? Is the fruit there? Love is the greatest value there is. Why is that? Why is love greater than even the most noble traits, faith, hope, even the ones that follow in this description of the fruit that Paul gives us in this passage. Here's why. First of all, love is who God is. The essence of God is love. The Scripture says, First John says, God is love. Period. He reflects it. He offers it. He lives in it. It's intrinsic in His nature. And it doesn't fluctuate based on what you do or what you don't do. He just loves you. Period. Now, how do we know this is true? This is a statement that Paul wrote in another place, Romans 5. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you gotta, here's the way you got to think of that. You think about, in your mind, in your heart, the most painful thing that you can think of that you've done in life. I mean, I don't know. We've all done things. You have to make your own list. But the most, the most embarrassing, the most shameful thing that you've ever done in your life. And you got to see it this way. God looks at you in that and he says, I love you. I love you. God is love, and because of that, love is who God wants me to be. Love is who God wants you to be. A religious man asked Jesus this question, of all of God's commandments, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. I mean, start there. But and then he says the second is like it. In other words, he's not saying, okay, if you just love God, that's enough. You know, go to church, do the church stuff, do the... Religious stuff, just love God. Oh, no, he says, no, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what, that's what it is. The prophets, the laws, these two commandments, all of them hang on these. At the very center of the spirit-filled life is the fruit of love. And that is how Jesus says we will thrive. That is how Paul echoes that in Galatians 5. As we respond to God's love for us, then we love each other. It spills out into our lives, and it's the trajectory of our life. And yes, we're going to fail, and yes, we're going to succeed, but we're on this course of action that's powerfully working from the source of God in our life called love. But listen, the truth about you and the truth about me is that we're not always so loving. Sometimes I don't do very well in this. I know God loves me. I know that God wants me to love other people. That leads to the second big idea about love. Every day of your life, you will need the Holy Spirit to fight in you to accomplish it. We began to address this last week, this great conflict battling in us. Galatians 5.16, Paul lists some of the things that get in the way of love. He says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is the conflict. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh he says it just they are in conflict with each other every one of us and you know this I'm not telling you anything new you know there's this battle that wages in you and you have these desires that usually are selfish or usually come from some kind of noble purpose that we've invented in our own minds and then we and we become this person that's fleshly that's that's sinful because of our, because of our, our desires and, uh, and what we want in life. And then there's this push against that where God says, hey, you know, we've got to fight against that tendency because it can destroy you and others. Like, and every one of us has this conflict happening, this powerful spiritual conflict. I have good authority that some of you sometimes are not so loving. I mean, I'm just saying. you're saying, well, back at you, buddy. Yeah, probably. But like when someone growls at one of our safety team members on Wednesday night who's out in the parking lot trying to keep the traffic flowing in such a way that little children don't get run over. And you're in a big hurry to get somewhere and drop off your kids. I mean, that stuff does happen. I mean, sorry if I offended you, but it does happen. Or like when someone kind of growls at one of our understaffed volunteers at Story Coffee because your latte wasn't just quite perfect. I mean, it, it's happened. Or Like when you're driving around town with one of those cool love unlimited stickers on window clings on your window and and you get into one of those roundabouts and someone just stops in the middle of that roundabout, which I could say it might happen, it might happen, and you, you lay out the horn and then you get around them mean you say, I'm going to pass them, and then... The last thing they see in your dust is that Love Unlimited thing, and they're going, I wonder what that thing is? Where's that from? And then they look it up, and here we are. Thank you very much. <laughs> or like when I hear someone's cornered a staff member or an elder about something they don't quite like about the church and just want to lay them out. I, I'm just saying. Most people, by the way, are considerate and, and, and joyful but we have our moments, we all have our moments, and honestly, that doesn't surprise me about you and not even about me, because there is this great conflict occurring that God's Spirit wants to control and eradicate those things, and then there's this worldly flesh thing that's happening that says, no, I'll, I'll stay in control, thank you very much. So, so it's a battle. And I, by the way, if you're feeling the conflict right now because maybe I just named you in some way, that's a good thing. Because that's the Holy Spirit saying to you, hey, that could be you. Let's work on that. I haven't given up on you yet. I love you, he's telling you. God's working in you. Battling to produce the fruit of love in opposition to the passion of fruit in my life, that is an ongoing daily walk with God and it takes his help. And how does he do it? How does the Holy Spirit produce this kind of fruit in my life? It works this way over and over again. And when I say this, you'll immediately recognize it if you have God's Spirit in your life. First of all, he convicts. Then he empowers you. But then he waits for you to respond. This is the cycle. This is a pattern that you and I have experienced thousands and thousands of times in our lives. I'm just rolling along, living in the universe that I've created called Scott. And then the Holy Spirit pushes on me, reminds me of something that I needed to know or something I needed to do. And then he offers me power to change or to react. And then he waits. Because he will not enslave you for that. He will work and walk with you for that the conflict between my sinful self and the power of the Holy Spirit day in and day out. Now, this week's work is, word is love. We're gonna talk a little bit about joy too at the end, but I, I wanted to introduce you to a way that you can connect up with someone who could use a little boost in their life. So watch this.
0: Every year, more than four million children teeter on the brink of entering foster care, and more than 400,000 are in foster care, most of them for preventable reasons. The foster care system impacts more than you can imagine. 50% of the homeless, 60% of girls and women rescued from sex trafficking raids, and 75% of those incarcerated spent time in foster care. The foster care system is ground zero. The place where our efforts will have the absolute greatest impact on our communities. And here is the good news. So many of you care about these issues. Churches and agencies and businesses, community leaders all wanna help. What we're missing is connection. The chance to collaborate and put our networks and resources together. Care Portal uses technology to make real time care connections for kids and families in crisis. This platform helps us make the most vulnerable children our priority, which makes them the single most powerful source for uniting and healing our communities as we serve together. Here's how it works. Caseworkers with child serving agencies encounter needs of children in crisis every day. They enter vetted needs into Care Portal, which immediately makes local churches and community members who've joined the network aware, giving them a real-time opportunity to respond. This platform is designed to equip the local church to be at the point of care for these children and families in need, and it allows for the entire community to work together on any request. So whether it's one church that responds or a community of churches and businesses and individuals working together, Care Portal makes vital connections possible through an easy-to-use platform at your fingertips. So many of our children and families in child welfare are isolated. They don't have a support system. Care Portal can provide not only the physical needs for the children and family, but can also provide a support system. And relationships. I look at the Care Portal as a platform for us to be able to do ministry uh, across denomination lines, across racial lines, across social economic lines, and the mission field is in our backyard. Sometimes, connection means meeting one need at just the right moment. At other times, connection starts life changing relationships. When you join Care Portal, You're saying yes to connections that change lives, transform communities, and can reverse the foster care crisis in our nation. That yes makes children the priority because every child matters and what you do matters. Children have the power to change us.
1: So our church collaborates with, the, with organizations locally for, you know, to network with others, to bring strength from numbers, to minister to people. And this is what Care Portal is all about. So if you want to learn more about that, you can go to our website, go to our app, and you can look into it, and you can be a part of that with us. And I think you'll be blessed by it. But every day, big and small ways, there's ways for us to love each other. We have opportunities before us all the time. Gene Apple calls this the love meter test. He says, this is the Bible's love meter test. It's five words on how you can tell if you're loving your spouse, your kids, your parents, you know, the people in your life, if you're doing the right things. And here's the test. It's just very simple. Put it on a continuum right now. Are you doing this? Consider others better than yourself. That, that's the test. I mean, how are you doing? I mean, honestly, sometimes I fail the test miserably. But before you judge me, I mean, do one of these things, right? The the fingers back at you, maybe the four. Because the fact is, Jesus said we evaluate ourselves. And Jesus said this. He said, said, I will love you no matter what. And then he proved it because he took a trajectory that was really unimaginable. He took all the sins of the world and he said, I'm going to overcome that. By forgiving you and cleansing you from all unrighteousness. The King of kings and Lord of lords who left the throne. He stepped down from his throne into our mess to love us. Now, to be honest, there are some people that I probably have no trouble treating better than myself. It just comes naturally to me. I mean, for example, let's say Warren Buffett. You know, he decided to come and see me for. He ain't going to do it. But this is this he did. I'm going to come to your house. I mean, I guarantee I'm cleaning the place like never before. Like Warren rolls into the driveway. I'm out there opening the door, okay? I mean, I walk in and I, you know, whatever joke the man tells, I don't care how, if it's funny or not. I'm laughing at the joke, okay? Uh, Dilly bars in the freezers. I mean, whatever. Because it's, you know, that's, we do that with VIPs. But what Jesus is showing us is this, and this is the hard thing. He wants us to see everyone as a VIP. I mean, what about the convenience store clerk who speaks to me and grunts every time I go in there? What about the server who never seems to notice that my water glass is empty and my blood pressure kind of goes like this? What what about the Facebook post that just makes me want to go and just punch somebody? I'm not going to tell you who. What what about the person who struggles with sin that for whatever reason I don't struggle with and I want to point my finger at them and not look at my own? What about the neighbor whose dog has adopted my front yard as its toilet? What about (coughs) the person who I work with that never seems to get it right and no matter how much we talk about friends, all heck breaks loose inside me in some of those circumstances. And that's when my love meter goes way down to one, two, three, whatever. But you know what? There's a better way. The better way is to amazingly just adopt the attitude, treat others better than yourself. Now, I think in the next few weeks, we're going to have golden opportunities to stretch ourselves as we become more and more familiar with the fruit, fruit that God wants us to grow in our lives. But all of us can do something. All of us can serve. All of us can put love in action. In a moment, we're going to commune together. We do this every week here at Third City Christian Church. And I want to give you one more challenge in this idea of love, especially in light of what our country's experiencing. Parker said something very insightful to me. Uh, between services he heard the message that I preached and he said uh, you know historically he learned that all of our external enemies of America you know the countries that would like to see us fail they have been banking on the idea that the thing that would bring us down is our racial diversity that they they just figure that eventually we are going to implode because of our racial differences. But here's what I would say. I would say that's our greatest strength as a nation. As a matter of fact, I would say the thing that can make that completely different than what we're being described as is something called love. That the only color that matters in this church is the color red. That's the color of the blood of Jesus that he shed for us. And it doesn't matter who you are today, because, you know, when we're communing today, you will be communing likely with brothers and sisters of Native American descent, of Mexican, Latin American, Cuban, Laotian, Hawaiian, French, Sudanese, Polish, Irish, Scandinavian, Latin American, I said that, English, Filipino, Sicilian, Somalian descent, And the thing that brings us together is the blood of Jesus Christ, that color. And that's the color we share in our veins, too. There's only one color. It makes us brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you that the greatest way that we will unite in all the hardest things of our world and our country is if we will just set everything aside and say, I will consider others better than myself. Friends, love your neighbor because hate is too great a burden to bear. Lord, as we commune today in unity, breaking down all barriers, we treat one another better than ourselves. Because this is your way. This is what you died to preserve, to protect and it's what we live to thrive in, to thrive in love, as you do. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I love hearing that about God, that there's, there's no shadow that he won't delve into. There's no wall he won't break down. There's no mountain he won't climb. There's no lie he won't overlook find me and to save me love me and then his Holy Spirit pushes on me and he says and that is precisely how I want you to treat others that is what I'm asking you my child that's how I'm asking you to consider others better than yourself I came off the throne he tells us I came into your mess I found you I gave my life for you I love you and I'm asking no less from you take a deep hard look into what you've connected to yourself to make you feel alive. What's consuming you? What are you chasing after? Where are you going to find joy? What kinds of pursuits are you involved with? Because I'm here to tell you that unless it begins and ends with love, the love of God, the love for others, it's an empty pursuit. You will not find joy at the end of the path. Every fruit at its core finds love. Love results in joy. Love isn't necessarily the end of anxiety, but it does put anxiety in its place. Love works in and through you at the core of who you are to produce in you the joy that will sustain you. That's the power of the spiritual gifts that God puts in you. Get on the trajectory.
0: Walk with Him. He won't let you down. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11, 30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org, call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org